Why are you here? I'm looking for a great warrior. So what kind of warrior have you been? The way of the warrior. He needed a warrior's mind. Clearly this was all planned by warriors of warriors. Now is the time. Hi, this is Josh Sullivan, and you're listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. I'm a warrior of the savage mindset. And we are live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Warrior of Impact podcast. Shannon and I are coming back from a much-needed vacation, and uh, so this is going to be a really cool one to get back into the swing of things. Today we have uh, my good friend Josh Sullivan on the show uh, that we will be interviewing. Josh is an investment advisor. He's a master networker and connector, and he is the host of the Savage Mindset podcast, a podcast that I had the pleasure of being a guest on not too long ago. And so I'm sure based on the fact that that conversation just went everywhere we're supposed to, uh, we will do the same here on our show. So without further ado, uh, introduce you, Josh. So give us a little bit of your backstory and some, uh, some of your lowdown. Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, having me come on. You're right. You know, we, uh, we had a great time talking as we always do. It doesn't just have to be on a podcast. I mean, Anytime we get on the phone together, it's a hour and a half, two hour conversation. So um, I know that today will be good. Uh, so yeah, uh, about myself, I'm 33. I live in Myrtle Beach with my two boys and my wife. Uh, my wife and I have been together for 10, 15 years. I don't know. I lost count. You can ask her. Uh, but we've been married for about four. We got an eight-year-old and an almost two-year-old. Uh, as you said, I'm an investment advisor. I've been in the investment world since my son was born. Really cool story about how I got into that world. And, and that's kind of why I feel obligated to do the things that I do and share my story is because I was completely blind to that world. Um, and had no idea about it until my son was on the way. And I was like, crap, I need to do something for his future. And so I dove in and me being a curious person that I am, I just dove full force into it. Um, and yeah, I learned as much as I could and kind of just shoved as much knowledge in as, as I could. Did it a very untraditional route. I didn't finish college. I um, just kind of made my way through the the ranks and, and did it the way that I knew how to do it and knew that I could get where I wanted to go, set some goals for myself and, and made those uh, happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm a very unconventional guy. I have that I have this obligation that I feel that I need to help as many people as possible and share my knowledge with as many people as possible because I tend to understand things quicker than other people. And, and I, I've been told that I have a gift of being able to explain things to people that make it simple and that they can understand. So I kind of say that I'm a translator a lot of the times um, because I can take something and just, you know, kind of make it simple. And I think that comes from uh, having kids and coaching, coaching kids in baseball. I played baseball all my life uh, growing up until I was 18. And then I actually fell in love and started playing golf, played golf and, uh, for two years at a community college and then moved to Myrtle Beach. That's why I live in Myrtle Beach. Um, but the, you know, the brand of the Business Connect came about from, it, it really came about from the investment advisory world. There's so much compliance and so much you can and can't say on on in social media. And it, it conflicted with who I am personally of always wanting to be that connector or that resource for people and being in the middle of what's going on in the community I'm from a small town or what used to be a small town. It's not small anymore, but, um, you know, everybody knew everybody, everybody helped everybody. And that's the mentality I was raised with. And so I wanted to take that into the business world as well. And I couldn't do that from the traditional investment advisor sense. So I just 
you know, erase that from my social media uh, altogether. And I built this brand of the Business Connect, which is it's just a brand of myself. It's not a business of any kind. It's just my personal brand. Um, and I built that up as, you know, a networker, as a resource, as a community figure, whatever you want to call it. Just, you know, networking with different business owners, learning about their business, connecting them with other business owners, saying, hey, this person probably can help you out. Or just having brainstorming sessions where I give them ideas on how to grow their business, mentoring young business owners or first-time business owners, whatever it may be, just helping them because that's who I am. That's who I've always wanted to be. And then that's, and really focusing on the the owner side of it, not the sales or the marketing side, but focusing on the owner side of it, the why behind the business and the story behind the business. Because I think that's massive, especially in smaller towns or smaller communities. Um, and, and so even though I live in Myrtle Beach, it's kind of a bigger town. There's, you know, these little sectors. There's Carolina Forest, there's Myrtle Beach, there's North Myrtle Beach, there's Surfside. There's all these little sectors and they're all really small towns, basically, um, until the tourists get here. So it's, it's about standing up, standing behind your community and really supporting your community and supporting those uh, small businesses in your community that do the right thing stand for the right things, not just the tourist traps or people that own it from out of town or whatever. It's about the people that live here, um, raise their kids here and do the right thing. And so that's where I really brought it about. And so that was my focus was, was building that. And that led to a podcast, uh, the Business Connect podcast. Savage Mind is, is a, a part of that. That's uh, something I've created. We've talked about it many times. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's blown up. I've been doing it for, I don't know, seven or eight months now. Um, yeah. And I, like I said to you just a second ago, I mean, I think I'm probably going to hit about 4,000 subscribers today. We're getting anywhere from like 4,000 to 5,000 weekly listens. Uh, it's, yeah, beyond beyond successful that I could have ever imagined. I, when I started, I was like, hey, if 100 people want to hear me talk, that's excellent. Well, yeah, little did I know. Um, and so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't like talking about myself, but apparently people like to listen. Um, so, but I don't talk about myself in, in the podcast. It's it's just about success mindset, entrepreneurship, running a business, the challenges that you face. Um, so now, again, uh, I'm an investment advisor, first and foremost. I love it. Uh, again, the passion comes from the way that I jumped into it. I have the Business Connect, um, which is my brand, my personal brand, my networking, my connections, my re- being a resource, mentorship all the stuff that come with that, just being a figure um, and talking to people. And then I'm uh, in the process of writing two different books and I have an apparel line that is launching in just a few weeks, hopefully the first week of May, Um, that'll be up and running. Uh, And so, yeah, it all kind of ties together, but it doesn't, you know, and then, you know, just uh, I pick things up here and there and uh, I'm always getting involved in new things and growing and there's no telling what tomorrow brings, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's part of the opportunist uh, mindset you have to have to A, be savage and be, you know, an entrepreneur, really. Uh, One of the things that I want to touch on real quick uh, among the many things that you talked about was uh, that introduction to the world of finance coinciding with becoming a father. Because I think that's something that I can totally relate to. I know that when I became a father and Shannon, I know like when you became, you know, like a first time mother, like, I think it's one of those things that we 
instantly, you know, start recognizing is like, well, shit, how the hell am I supposed to afford these kids? Like, um, and, and it's, and it's not to be like completely joking because like, that's really how we see it is like, all right, well now what, you know, and, and you could be in the most stable of financial situations. Um, and still it's, you know, this big question mark, um, or, you know, like someone like me who you're young, you, you know, you have kids and you're like, well, I'm going to make it work. But what does make it work look like always? And so just kind of explain that path, because uh, I'm sure that, you know, as a financial advisor, you're talking to new parents, you're talking to people and, it, and it's a very scary time of your life. And if you don't have a healthy relationship with money already, it's a hard time to just jump into that relationship building. So I commend you for doing so, A, but B, would love to kind of just hear that that path and and then maybe some of the advice you would give to somebody who is like exploring some like financial education uh and and healing their relationship with money because i think that's oftentimes where it comes from yeah so again um i, I was always strong with numbers in in school and and knew that i was strong with numbers in school um but i didn't i never applied myself in high school and never applied myself in any school um i would go to college when I wanted to, like when class, when I wanted to just to talk to people really wasn't to learn anything. Cause I don't know. I just didn't have a great relationship with learning, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I was a typical, I'm smarter than the teacher kind of attitude a lot of the times. And some take, some cases that was true. You know, I, I'd been to classes where I was in a math class in community college where they told me, Oh, well you can't place out of this class. And I'm like, yes, I can. Like I've got way higher classes like you shouldn't put me in here and I went to the class and like two weeks in they told me you, you're not allowed to answer questions anymore because you're, you're not giving everybody else a chance to answer and I'm like well then let me out of the class like and, and so like that was the type of thing that would happen and so I just didn't care to go to class um, and so I knew I was doing numbers but I always and I was like and I knew that I wanted to make money of course like as a kid of course that's what you want to do right I wasn't the kind of kid that was like, oh, I'm going to grow up and be an astronaut. I'm going to grow up and be a police officer. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and so I kind of put it off and put it off and really never explored what to do with my life for a long time. And I kind of thought about the stock market a few times. And, but then I would kind of be discouraging towards myself and tell myself like, oh, hey, uh, you can't do that. You, you're not from like a super rich family. You're not a rich person, like whatever. And I, I kind of would be discouraging towards myself. Well, when my son was on the way, I was 25. I actually found out on my 25th birthday that we were going to have a, uh, that my wife, my now wife is pregnant. Uh, and you know, I was like, okay, crap. Like this is a, okay. It's now or never. Like if you're going to get into finance, like now's the time to learn about it. Um, and so I just dove in. Like I knew that my father-in-law always started life insurance policies for all of his grandkids, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, and I knew he would start like a mutual fund um, account for his grandkids. Again, didn't really know what that meant. And so I was like, I'm not going to let my father-in-law be the only person that provides for my kid. Like it's not going to happen. Like I know that he paid for college for his, for my wife and, and her brother and, and so they didn't have any bills like that. And I wanted to give my, my kids the same life. And so I was like, all right, well, it's now or never. Let's dive in. And I went from legitimately re reading no books in my adult life, probably no books in my entire life, to be honest with you, because I didn't read the school books, the, like the assignments. I just made it up or looked up Cliff Notes. So, like, I went from literally never reading to doing, I think I read nine or ten books the first year. 
that I was looking into fi- finance. And they were all four or 500 page books that people would be like, oh my God, this is the most boring, dry subject that you've ever like looked at. Most people wouldn't be able to get through them because they're not fiction books. They're not the, you know, they're not the, oh my God, juicy details, drama books. This is like numbers and charts and things like that. Like, and I, I just read them and I, I just incorporated everything about it. Um, and then that led me to starting my own trading firm and trading for other people and trading for, you know, friends of mine that had dreams that they were chasing. And that's kind of what we did for a little while. And then I moved into the research side um, and the back end side for a friend of mine that's a really, really big trader in Canada. Um, and then that's when I was like, okay, I finally got this realization. that was like, hey, I've got to help people. I've got to get face-to-face with people and share my knowledge of what I've learned, share how these things can help them. Um, because it's compound interest is really the, the biggest deal. Um, so I'm not a big blanket advice guy. I hate blanket advice. So Dave Ramsey, all those guys that are telling everybody, this is how you live your life. I hate them. I talk bad about them all the time because blanket advice doesn't work. I cannot Google, how does Josh save for college for his kids? And it tell me exactly how I'm going to do it. It's going to give you different things and different tools on potential ways to do it or what this person did or what this person did, but it doesn't fit in my life. It's not going to tell me how to do it for my life and my kids. Um, so that's just the thing. It's, it's very individualized. That's, that's like you're saying. It's your relationship with money. It's your personal relationship with money. It's not like I can't solve that as an advisor. Like if you have a bad relationship with it, I can't solve it. I can help you with your goals and give you a plan to achieve your goals, but I can't set your goals for you. I had, I mean, I had a client that literally, she's like, I have X number of dollars. What should I do? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. What is, what do you want to accomplish with that? Well, I don't know. Well, then we can't really have a conversation because I can't make those decisions for you. It's, it's your goals. And I just formulate a path for you according to those goals. And so like with kids, it's all about starting early. Um, so like when you're first having kids, you know, when it's all about starting early because time is your best friend. Um, that's, that's the biggest principle, uh, compounding interest. Time is your best friend, of course. So if you start when they're just born, you have tons of time to, to have that compounding interest jump up. You have tons of time for things to, to accumulate and you can change their lives with a hundred bucks a month. Honestly, you can change a child's life with a hundred bucks a month. Um, which is not asking a lot for most people. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing is just start early, uh, for, for kids. And, you know, it does not have to be a lot of money. You can change your life with, with very little dollars and cents. The second thing is opportunity cost, I think is, is a big thing that people don't understand. Um, cause there's a lot of people that are all about paying stuff off early and this, that, and the other. And, it's, it's really about interest rates. And I know we're in a rising interest rate environment right now, um, but it's still about the gap between interest rates. So, you know, if you've got a house that you're only paying 3% interest on and you've got this other opportunity that's going to pay you 7% interest, there's a 4% gap there. So if you put all your money to pay for that house and pay the house off, well, that's great. You now own the house but now you can't do the other thing that earns you 7%. And this was only going to cost you three. So something cost you three, and but something else earns you seven. Well, that's great. Debt's good in certain situations, right. it, it, but it's all about the opportunity cost. And that's what, something that a lot of people don't understand because 
Dave Ramsey and all these guys have said, oh, debt's bad, all debt's bad, all debt's bad, all debt's bad. But if you look at some of the other coaches out there, again, that do blanket advice, and, and I'm still not a fan of, but like Grant Cardone, he'll he'll tell you, like, he almost lost everything because he had 50 properties and every single one of them was, was financed and, and they changed banks on him. And then the bank was like, hey, we want you to go ahead and pay for all of these in full. But like, that's how Grant Cardone built his business was on leverage, was on borrowing money. Um, who's richer, Grant Cardone or, or Dave Ramsey? I, I would listen to the richer one, personally. <laughs> what, do you, what advice do you have for people, though, who take, for instance, I've always had a really unhealthy relationship with money. I came from a poverty background. Um, I had my daughter very early. I was only 21. And obviously at 21, it's kind of like what Mike said, you do whatever you can to, to get by to make it from one paycheck to the next. What do you say to people who are older now? My oldest daughter's 21. My youngest daughter's 17. What if I wanted to now heal that relationship with money and start doing some of the things that um, could help me be more successful, what would you say to someone who didn't get the opportunity to start early? So first thing I would say would be teach them a relationship with money. That's the best thing you can do for them is to teach them that relationship with money um, because they still, they do still have time to make things different. Um, you know, I do a lot of retirement planning um, in my, a lot of work and you'd be surprised how many people get to retirement and have no idea what's going on as a 17 year old, as a 21 year old, they can start right now with not very much money and still get to retirement and be very, very comfortable. And that starts the generational deal. This is not a one one lifetime situation, right? Like we want to educate people for generations to come and have that change. So if you're the factor that teaches them a, a, a healthy relationship with money, well, then going forward, they teach their kids because so if, if you teach them a healthy relationship and they retire very, 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 very comfortably because they have plenty of time, 17, 21, very comfortably at this point, it, it, the opportunity is there. And then going forward, they're going to they're going to pass that down to their kids. They're going to learn a healthy relationship. So now your grandkids are going to be very healthy. Like it's it's just a starting point. All you have to do is start. So, you know, it, it's really about budgeting and living with that budget, you know, you, I would never tell somebody to save everything that they got because it's not realistic. You know, you can't say my bills are, I make, I make, you know, $1,800 a month as, as somebody that's in a lower category, right? Let's say that. And you can't say I make $1,800 a month. My bills are $1,500 a month. I have $300 to, you know, of discretionary income. I would never say put all $300 in, into a savings account and don't touch it. Because no one's going to live that way ever. It's not, it's not sustainable. It's the same thing as going to the gym. It's the same thing as eating right. Once you break that habit, you're never going back to it, right? If you start a habit of going to the gym, Michael knows, Michael's a fitness guy. If you start a habit and you do it every day, do it every day, do it every day, you'll do it. But the second you break that habit, it's harder to go back to. Yeah. So why set unrealistic goals that you know you're going to break? It's the same as anything else. It's just about discipline. It's just about, you know, it's just about being disciplined and realistic. Yeah, That's the I thing. Think, People set unrealistic goals. I think that 
what we're talking about here too is something that like we're people are afraid to talk about or say it's like most of the time it's not so much and, and this might sound weird it's not so much that you have a spending issue as much as you have an income issue and now that might be like the duh but we don't address that right like now i at multiple times in my life have had three, four jobs, you know, I've always bartended shit. I've drove Uber and Lyft while getting my businesses off the ground and you just do what you did. I was like, all right, I know based off my bills, I need to make $1,500 a week. How do I do it? doesn't matter how I do it. I just got to get to $1,500 by the time my head hits the pillow on Sunday. Now that was drive focus and stuff like that. But I knew that Look, I like nice things. I like being able to take my daughter on vacation. I like being able to have the new tech gadget stuff. But for me to be able to do that, I got to take ownership and accountability to say, if my lifestyle is this, then my income needs to be this. And if the income is not there naturally, I need to make it happen. And what we need to do, and this is something that I believe to my core, is we need to talk about income you know, security and income and finance at a very young age. So this is not so much an endorsement. I guess maybe it is an endorsement. It's not an advertisement, guess. Um, I got my daughter this program called Go Henry. Uh, it is a prepaid card. Uh, it acts like a debit card. I can put money to it. It does an education format. So she makes money when she completes tasks, chores. I don't believe in just giving a child like money for nothing. And that's not against what other people believe, but you know, uh, she's going to earn it. And if, and now, now granted, some of that is like, you know, making your bed and things like that. And so there's incentive, you know, she's going to be doing chores. But with that, she gets the understanding of seeing her bank account go up. She has access to a card. She can make payments online. She can when we go on vacation, she has her card to make payments. I have spending limits on it. I have restrictions, but it's also the education of, well, what does it mean to save? What does it mean to spend? I think it's a fantastic thing, but it's something that I've had to go about my way of doing. I think that should be something in public school, in education, from day Florida one. just made to, it mandatory. How to file your taxes, how to balance a checkbook, how to do some of these basic things. And look, as a parent, it is absolutely our responsibility too. But we make a point. If the parents don't know, then all they're doing is society's leaving these kids behind too and saying, well, sorry, you got stuck with the generational gap. Good luck. You know, like right. I, uh, I too, college dropout. Uh, but I'm okay with that because I've made something of my life from there. But one of the things that we don't talk about, and it's something that is huge right now, is the interest rate of college education that are putting these kids in the grave from finance. And and you know, and that's not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It is a societal issue of finance and and being able to make those sound judgments at 17, where you like, yeah, cool, give me 19% interest on this $200,000 loan. I'll just pay it off with this amazing job I'm gonna get. I'll make $200,000 a year and I'll just pay it off in two years. That's not how it worked, but that's how we're taught. And so what yeah. happens is you have these guys who, I mean, I, I have friends that are doctors that literally have to drive the broke down car, have to live in like, like they're living so below their means because their, their interest rate and their college payment is more than their mortgage. That was one of the first things, um, kind of going back to, to what, uh, we were discussing earlier. That was one of the first things I told Anya, that's my 21 year old was do not go into crazy debt to go to college especially you don't know what you what you want to do 
Do your first two years at a community college. Save that money. Don't go into debt. Don't start your life hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because you want a college education. You don't even know what you want to do with your life. You're when when Anya graduated, she was 17. At 17, you do not know what you want to do with your life. And so I am a huge supporter of, I know for me and you, Mike, in our generation, probably you as well, Josh, that we were pushed really, really, you will not have a successful life if you do not go to college. That's not true. <laughs> well, that's the way the education system is set up. It's, yeah. it, it is set it's up to teach life. you. It's set up to teach you to be an employee. It's, that's all it is. Yep. Um, it's, it's set up to teach you how to learn your job, learn and regurgitate, learn and regurgitate, because that's what they want you to do in the workforce is learn and regurgitate, learn and regurgitate. That's all they want. Um, and it's because the people that run the education system, the people that run the ed- that run the colleges, they also run the big companies and the big companies don't run unless they have employees. Yep. So that's how it's set up. And and now like I'm not a, like so I I do think that you know like certainly there are certain aspects you know like college there's value you know there's certainly value and and there's there's value in secondary education but I also think that uh, trade school should be uh, you know if more people looked at trade school as an option and it wasn't demonized by the second class you know like approach to education look I know a lot of people that are in the trades that are extremely successful. And more importantly, they're extremely happy. You know, like I, you can go become an electrician, a plumber. You can go and become a, you know, a mason, a carpenter and live a very happy, successful life. If that's what you're into, embrace that, you know, so but I use the, that. I but use the that idea the that you have to go and do this, you know, four years trying to do something and then wind yourself back in that position and, and have a harder time getting the path. It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like, you know, explore your options by all means. And if college is right for you, by all means, yes. Uh, but make sure that it's the right decision for you, your family and your future. Don't do it because you're you're forced to it. And I love the fact that like large companies like Apple and Google and Tesla are starting to take college applications or college admittance and degrees out of that process for hiring. You know, the, the fact that they're looking more towards talented individuals, because look, there's a, we're in the generation of self-starters, right? You could have just as much an education with a, uh, a library card, maybe not so much anymore because nobody goes to the library as much, but, you know, access to Google, you know, you, most, <laughs> most people that are running a business for the first year, they spend just as much time on YouTube how to's than they do anything else. You're learning as you go as it is. And so, uh, you know, you certainly want to be qualified. You want to work with qualified individuals. Uh, but you know, I think that it's certainly, you know, Something to discuss. And now we're obviously going off on a tangent of education in here, but I do think that it plays so hand in hand with finances because, you know, you have to be informed first and foremost. And we I think are, for most of us, that's the first bad financial decision we make. Yeah. Potentially. Correct. Yeah. I mean, so it's just one of those things that, again, there's not the education around it. And forever it's been taboo, right? Our generation, do you, do you know how much your parents made? Of course you don't. Because it wasn't talked about. You don't talk about finance. You don't sit at the dinner table and say, oh, got my paycheck today. Like, you don't talk about it. It was, it, everyone was brought up as finances are taboo. 
You don't tell people how much money you make. You don't talk about finance. You don't talk about financial problems. You don't talk about anything. So as a financial advisor, when I first got in the industry, it was like, my mindset was like, okay, well, only rich people have finance, uh, have financial advisors, right? Because that's what you think. There's this, there is this mentality of, I can't talk to a financial advisor. I don't, I don't qualify. I'm, I'm not rich. Why, why would I talk to a financial advisor? That's only for rich people. That's not true. The rich are going to be rich. Guess what? They know. Their parents taught them. The middle class, the lower classes of income, those are the ones that benefit the most from having someone help them. Because at the end of the day, if you make a 10% difference in their life savings, that's a huge difference over the course of 30 years. If you make a small difference for them, that's a massive difference. Most people have this magical number of a million dollars for retirement. It's not correct. But some a lot of people think, oh, I need a million dollars for retirement. But if you take 10% of that, that's an extra four years at what, they, what they're expecting as far as what they're getting, right? That's an extra four years worth of income without any growth. Well, if you do the same thing for somebody that makes that has $100 million in the bank, they could care less about the extra $10 million. That doesn't mean anything to them because they were going to live just perfectly fine off the $100 million they had. But somebody that has $1 million, and that's their entire life savings, that extra $100,000 to them means the world. So that's where I focus is on the people that can uh, that it makes a difference for. And that's why I focus on education first and not on, hey, how much money do you have? Here's what we're going to do with your money. Like that may be backwards from what most people think, because most people are out there like, oh, I only want to talk to people that have a million dollars. I only want to talk to people that have X number of dollars ready to go that we can work because that's the efficient way to work, they think. But I'm not about that. I'm about helping people. And, and the education is the most important part, especially education for children. Yeah. And I think, gosh, uh, you're so right. Because I think that for a lot of us, we're taught that money is a like a dirty word. Like right. you're not supposed to talk about money. To want money is greedy. When I started healing my relationship with money, that's the first thing I had to get over. It's not wrong to talk about money. It's not wrong to want money. It's not wrong to want more money than what you have. You got to you have to get out of that mindset. And I think we were taught that like you, our generation really was taught that, that you don't talk about money. You don't want money. Um, you know, there's more to life than money. And I think we have to get over that belief to be successful where money is concerned. Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. There's a taboo around it and it has to be broken. And I know Florida and I think maybe Texas, um, I know there's two states, but and I know Florida just did it. I've just passed where all public schools have to have a financial literacy class. Yeah. So in the, words of, in the words of the, uh, the great Gordon Gecko, greed for a lack of a better word is good. Uh, and, 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 we again taboo that, but wanting more can be seen in the explorers and the pioneers. Wanting more out of life can be seen as in, in parenting the next generation. You know, where I think it goes wrong is excess and at the behest of somebody else. But to want to be successful, to want to be rich, um, I'm very forthcoming with the fact I want to be wealthy. I want to be wealthy because I know that the good, the impact that I can do with, you know, with the wealth makes it exponential. 
You know, I want to touch generations and not just my lineage. Uh, and I know and I understand that to do that, we do need to have, you know, finances in that. Uh, I started working with a financial advisor uh, myself. And, you know, and the whole idea is like, we're planning for retirement, but I'm not the type to retire. So that's a different shift. What does it mean like to be financially secure till the day you're in the grave? Like that's a different shift, you know? And so I think much like this, it's what I always talk about. We have to build our support teams. You know, you go to the doctor when you don't feel good. You, you know, you, you go get a gym membership or, or something along those lines when you want to get better, you know, but yet we're so like apt to like, hire or go work with somebody for our finances. We are resistant to work with a coach for your personal transformation uh, because somebody told us that's for wealthy people or that's for people who are you know on this different path. And I say, no, fuck that. This is accessible to everybody. And when you're ready and you're willing, you are in control. And the best thing you can do for yourself is build your support team. The people that are in these positions, I mean, I've got you know, people for mental health, I've got coaches, I've got financial advisors, real estate. Like I network with so many people that I might not need now, but someday when I know, I'm like, I'm qualifying them this whole time. Like, oh, we're going to vibe if I can ever use you. Or the person that I hear needs somebody, you know, and I just want to talk about that real quick, you know, kind of shift a little bit from finance into the connecting networking world, because I think that that is so pivotal on individual stakes that we should be at every given moment, you know, whether it's hiring or bringing people into our lives that can support our goals, dreams, and and really help us forecast what that means. Um, and and I think that we do ourselves a disservice by by the mindset of I can't afford a financial advisor, or who's going to talk to me for this, or why you know why would a coach or how can a coach help me, or you know any of these things. Uh, and so let's just talk on that. You know, I think that we probably are very much, and and I know for a fact just based on our conversations, we see eye to eye with you know uh, the the mentality of of servitude. And, you know, we, we do a lot of this because we we feel called to serve others. And if I can provide a resource, to me, that's just as good, if not better, uh, and really in alignment with my goal of impact than, you know, somebody hiring me. Like, you know, like, obviously, like I said, I want to be wealthy. I want to be able to do good things. But part of that is uh, a non-monetary value, too. It's, you know, being a good source and resource for the community. Uh, and so let's talk on that a little bit of... Um, you know, kind of your path of networking, uh, and really what draws you to, to, to be the connector. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, again, it comes from a place of being from a small town and everybody knows what everybody does. Like, you know, that so-and-so's dad down the streets, uh, does, is a mechanic or this person builds houses or this person's a landscaper, whatever it may be. Right. Like, you know, what everybody's family does, you know, what everything is in a small town. And it's like, Hey, if you need help, you know who to get to help you. Um, but th these days, go look at Facebook. The I guarantee you within the first five posts on Facebook, you're going to see somebody saying, in search of somebody that does this. And they're going to get 40 comments that might as well be the yellow pages. Because it's not going to have any anything about them. It's just going to have a name. Name, 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 name. What kind of recommendation is that? It's just a name. There's no actual value there. You could have Googled it and got better results than putting it on Facebook. Because at least if you Google it, there's some reviews there. 
They may be fake reviews, but there's reviews. And so I come from, again, I come from a place I love to hear the story of the company from the owner because that's how you know what the company's about. It's about their their story. Well, again, I, I love to talk business. I love to talk shop. And I love to learn now that I understand it and, and learning things in a, in a different way, not the educational sense. But so I say it's selfish when I connect with new business owners and new people because I say I'm learning from them. And hey, if you got an idea and you're not acting on it, sorry about your luck. I'm going to go take it because I'm going to do it. Like if I hear a really good idea or something, it's going to make money and it makes sense. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's set it up today because I'm trying to, I love free money. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's the thing is like, there's so many people out there that are scared of action. There's so many people out there that have great ideas, but they don't know how to get somebody in touch with it. I'm a big believer in partnerships, big believer in win-win situations, building a team. You know, CEOs have a board of directors around them for a reason. They're not the best at everything. CEOs don't have that personal connection with the customer. But guess what? They're in charge of all the customers because they're the CEO. Presidents have cabinet members. Because they can't do it all. They can't know everything about everything. As a person, you can't know everything about everything. It's not possible. You have to rely on your connections and your network. That's, you know, the the whole, it sounds gimmicky. It sounds cliche. Your network is your net worth. That is the most true statement in the world. Because right now, at this moment, how many people can you reach out to on your phone and get them to answer and do something for you? No cost for free. That's going to change depending on who you are. Yeah, I was about to say I've got, I've got quite the quite the Rolodex, right? But but that's just right. because of the relationships, and I think that's the key right there, right? It's that's um, how it's your net worth. It's developing it's relationships. You can do that. Yeah, and I think it's we're developing relationships, not contacts. Right. And, and that's that's the shift, and I think it's something that we all have to learn when we get into business. You know, it's really easy to be like, oh. Uh, you know, this, this, so I started, uh, my introduction to networking was when I was selling insurance, uh, home auto insurance. And I was like, all right, this is a boring industry. Like, I mean, really is like, I mean, and you know, you know, a little bit about like the insurance world, uh, you know, it can be kind of boring and you know, it's very tedious, very state regulated. And so it's not something you said about what I recognized was, well, what are we doing, right? We are really providing peace of mind for people's loved ones. And so I was like, all right, well, emotion I can do. I can do emotion all day long. Let me find that. And so I started networking with people. And I want to share a really quick story because I think this this really lays it out. Um, I've got a really crazy memory. I could talk to you and just remember something, but as I've gotten older, I've like learned to document. Obviously we have like CRMs and things like that. You know, you get a business card, you write a little note, but build those relationships and then touch points. And so I remember it was the first networking event I ever went to uh, as a real estate agent. I met a whole bunch of real, uh, as a uh, insurance agent, I met a whole bunch of real estate agents uh, because they were a great, you know, path for me to, you know, to get new clients. And I met this husband and wife couple that were real estate agents and they were talking about how their son in the next year was going to be coming of age and what they should do about car insurance. And, you know, gave them some insight, you know, just based off some information. And I'm a new agent, so like fresh off my mind. Well, uh, eight months later, I gave them a call on their son's birthday. Unprovoked. And I'm like, hey, 
wanted to call, wish your son a happy birthday. If you're still interested, I would love to help you figure out what you've got to do about this. No cost, give you a quote, you know, just that way. And they were just blown away by the fact that, A, I remember that it was their son's birthday and the exact conversation um, and took action on it uh, right then and there. And And I have a million and one different stories like that because it's all about how can I serve you and, and, and really listening, you know, uh, and I think it's funny. And I talk about this cause like I'm a talker, but I'm talking to get the information of how I can serve you. And then I'm actively listening. And once I, once I hear it, Oh, then the conversation goes everywhere it needs to be, uh, with no problem. And I think that the relationship focus, if, if all we focus on is developing those healthy relationships of not even necessarily service, but support. And, and, you know, some people it's like, Hey, can I just be a cheerleader for you? Or, you know, can I be somebody that you mastermind with? You know, it's like, how can we support each other's goals? And, and it's, you know, it doesn't always have to be duplicitous in the sense of like give and take. Uh, but you know, in a, in a perfect world, I guess it should be, but it's, you know, making sure that, at least we're staying in that grace of I'm doing the right thing, developing these relationships, helping who I can help and staying in alignment with my mission. Yeah. For me, it's it's like a, go ahead. I was going to, I was going to ask you guys. um, I can tell uh, because I know Mike for a very long time that he's an extrovert. Josh, you seem very extroverted. I myself am an introvert. I have a lot of trouble networking. So do either one of you have advice for uh, people who are very introverted as far as how to network with people? Because it can be very intimidating starting a conversation with someone when you're an introvert. And I feel like there are a lot of introverts who struggle with networking that I know of. I'm in specifically some groups for networking for introverts. So I know that that can be a really big step for someone who isn't used to um, starting the conversation, reaching out, making relationships. So what advice do you have for people who who are introverts and who aren't naturally um, very big networkers? So I'm a very different type of person. Uh, I've taken the personality test and I feel like I'm all uh, of the personalities and, you know, the four quadrants or whatever. I feel like I'm all a little bit of everything. I'm very analytical about situations. Uh, I open up when, you know, I have a passion about talking about something, but I, I'm typically not the first person in the room to start a conversation. Now it helps that if I'm in, in person networking, it helps that I'm six foot two. It helps that I'm a bigger <laughs> guy. Like, cause people can see me, right. I'm not, you know, they can see who I am. I normally, if I'm in, at work, I'm wearing a tie and a baseball hat this baseball hat normal. Um, but that that's something weird that people want to talk about where I wear shoes or I tie my tie a different way than most people. I tie a, a Trinity knot. People want to talk about the tie conversation starters, things like that are conversation starters. Why do you wear a hat with, with a tie? Cause I like wearing a hat anyways. I grew up playing baseball. Why not? Like who cares? There's no rule that says I can't do it. Why do I wear the shoes? I wear Cause I want to, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's, and, but it, so I, I understand it because I, I have that same thing. I'm very analytical. I'm very, you know, reserved at first, and, but I have a lot to talk about when it comes to, I can have a conversation with everybody, but I don't normally start the conversations, but it's all about being comfortable. You've got to understand yourself. It's more about self-awareness than being introverted. Like, why is it that you don't want to talk to certain people? Like, do you feel like they're higher than you and you can't talk to them because they're higher than you because for some people that's what it is 
they're scared that they're going to walk into a networking event and they're going to go talk to this high-powered lawyer that makes a million dollars a year and they're going to get blown off. Well, first thing, that person's there at a networking event to network. So, you know, that fear of rejection shouldn't be there. I know it is. It's there. And, but it, you have to be self-aware of why there's that intimidation, whether it's your, the fear of rejection, whether it is the fear of, you know, getting in over your head in a conversation or you feel like that person's above you and, and you can't talk to them or whatever. Um, but if that's the case, if the in-person deal is hard for you, do you feel more comfortable doing it virtually, doing a Zoom call? There's Zoom networking events. You can do it on Zoom. Then nobody knows anything about you. You can make up a persona if you really wanted to. Uh, you know, make up, change your name on, on the bottom of the screen. Who cares? Like, they don't know. Or start it, start it out in another place. There's virtual networking events that you can jump on anytime and do it. Start it in Wyoming. You're probably never going to see them people again. If you make a fool of yourself, what, what's the big deal, right? Like, practice with that. Or if Facebook's more comfortable for you and doing it over text or doing it over messaging, start there. Gain your confidence by just messaging somebody that you know but haven't talked to in 20 years, in 10 years, whatever. And just start a conversation because you know them. You know they're not going to be like, oh, my God, who are you? You know them. You went to school with them. You worked with them, whatever it may be. Start baby steps to learn how to have those conversations. Or you said you're in groups for introverts for networking, right? Okay, well, you know they feel the same way as you. You know you have something in common with them. Start by reaching out to somebody in that group, just a cold message and saying, hey, I have the same problems. What have you, have you tried anything this week to get better at networking? I'm doing, just start that conversation with a common piece of information. That's the thing is it, it could be somebody that's wearing the same school you like, if, if you like sports or if you like different schools or somewhere that your kids go to the same school or you're, you're involved in the same music, or, or whatever. Just start a small conversation with something that has that you have in common. That'll take that fear away a lot of the times, even, though, even if it's not used for business, even if it's not used for, for anything. It's used to get you used to starting conversations. Because that's all you're doing. Networking is just a conversation. I'm not going up and proposing to people. <laughs> yeah, no, and so as, as soon as you asked that, I kind of wrote down, so... Um... I worked for a networking organization for a while and that's what we did. We, we put on these events and uh, you know, for a long time there, I was networking full time. In addition to, you know, work, I would, you know, work 40 hours, network 40 hours and just, and you know, crush it. So these are just some things that uh, I wrote down real quick. These are just three points that I wanted to make. Um, the first is I think as an introvert, you can set the tone, uh, set the tone and set the pace. So one of my least favorite things at a networking event, is somebody walks up, puts a card in my face, what do you do? Can't stand that. You know, like setting the tone from a human aspect. Uh, you could walk up to somebody and, and come up with different conversation starters that you have passion about. Something that, you know, you can then support with conversation. Um, or, you know, like, like Josh was saying, something that is an identifier being tall, a hat, you know, those conversation starters that allow you to ease into conversation with little pressure. Um, you could talk about the venue that you're at. You could talk about, you know, oh, this place has great food, the drinks or whatever. 
and really allow yourself to ease into it, but set that tone and pace that you're comfortable with from the get-go. The second is just be very upfront and intentional. Uh, and I think that outside of networking, this is maybe a little bit more important um, as you approach people for like a sales proposition, be like, I am fully intending to try to sell you right now or to do business with you right now or get this. Be very upfront about what your intentions are because the last thing you want is, and we've all had this, hey buddy, long time no talk, want to meet for coffee? We all, we all know where that conversation's going, right? I've got this great new opportunity, you know? But I think when we are upfront, whether it's in networking environments or not, be like, look, I'm looking to meet four new people this month. Who do you know? If you start with that, holy crap, yeah, I know four people that you need to meet versus trying to like dilly dally around it and do the niceties. Like you got to have some gusto. And I get that over time that, you know, it's something that you build and, you know, that's that's introvert or extrovert. You know, it's, it's something that you've got to build up some stamina with. Uh, but, you know, that direct approach. Save time, save, you know, save everybody's hassles like we're here for the same reasons. Just be intentional. Like, hey, I'm looking to get, you know, 10 new clients over the next 12 months that these are their qualifiers. Who do you know that you can introduce me to? And then how can I help you? If that's all you did, walked around, that to me is much better than, hey, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? Don't take a, don't, don't be afraid to take the lead in the dance. Somebody's got to take the lead. Somebody's going to follow back. And, you know, then you let them dip you and, and you, you smooth it over. Uh, and then so the I third, do start with them. I do start with the, I do start with what you do. What do you do? Because yeah. I come from a place of a connector uh, yeah. and not from, because I know that like right off the bat saying, hey, again, it's self-awareness, right? Yeah. Uh, I know that me telling someone that I'm an investment advisor, I'm not going to say, hey, what do you, you know, hey, I'm an investment advisor. Who do you know? Well, again, we've already said money is taboo. People don't talk about it. So yeah, they're not going to give me got, any you referrals. You got to smooth it in. Um, and I think but the third, if you come from a place of a connector, you can do that. And you say, hey, what do you do? Absolutely. I want to introduce you to people. Absolutely. And then they're that, drawn to That's my intent you. behind that. Uh, and then the third, uh, and this is one of the few places that I think it's like appropriate and needed, is that you got to become a master eavesdropper. Like you see the person like talking, you just kind of do this. Talking to you, yeah. Aware, yeah. But I'm like listening. And then I hear a, like one of those keywords and I'm like, hey, we need to talk, you know. I think that in that environment, it's completely okay. Like people are talking to be heard in a networking environment. They're talking to be heard. They want to be seen. And you're doing yourself and them a disservice by not introducing yourself. If you hear something that uh, is going to be beneficial to you, your clients or whatnot. So uh, I, I like to think that networking is a little bit more open game than most sales situations or more, you know, other things. Uh, you should go at it with no judgment, uh, even though at the same time you are making an impression. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's, it's like the playground of connection and, and it should be treated that way. It should be fun and it should be, uh, you know, treated like an experiment or like, a, you know, your, your own sales cycle. I mean, that, that's your, that could be the great tip of a funnel for anybody if they treat it right. Take somebody with you. Yeah. Take, take someone with you. If, you're, if you are nervous about going, take somebody with you. It doesn't, a networking event doesn't say, you have to be the CEO yeah. of the company. You have to That's be a right. founder of this company. You have to be a salesperson. It can never be like a, a networking business. event. Yeah, it could be right. somebody that you partner with and that's a different industry and say, hey, look, we're meeting, you know, like I am a physical therapist. 
he's a, a chiropractor. We're looking to meet with somebody like you who is like a, you know, a specialist in dot, dot, dot. You're a medical sales rep or whatever. You know, that way you have proof and numbers and you can build that, you know, out better. You know, like, you know, we could do. Or how about, marketing. how about, I just got a brand new idea. We're just going to change the game here. You got a group of people that are network, introverts for networking. Well, guess what? Me and Michael, we're going to put together an introverts networking event and we're going to host the damn thing. There and we're going to say, Shannon, talk about yourself right now. This person, <laughs> talk about yourself right now. Yeah. This person, talk about yourself right now. And we'll force you guys to talk about it. <laughs> You're welcome. We're hosting it at World I love Tour. it. It'll be hosted at World Tour Golf in Myrtle Beach on, <laughs> on June 17th. No, I'm <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that some of that is like, you know, just like anything, uh, I don't think introvert extrovert has really as much to do with it as you would think. Like a lot of it's just kind of like you got to show up for the meeting. That's that's number one. And I know a lot of extroverts that'll make every excuse to not go just as much as an introvert. You know, it's showing up is always going to be, I think showing up is just like one across the board for anything, starting, showing up, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and from there, it's like you, you've got to very individually like figure out that approach. I know a lot of people that are very introverted that have very successful careers that have built off of networking. It's just, uh, you got to do what's right for you. And, and, you know, these are three things that I do that work for me. You figure out what those things are for you. Absolutely. I think that it's, you know, it's a, it's a process just like anything else, you know. And, it's a, uh, again, I just think it's self-awareness. You just have to understand yourself and understand your strengths and your weaknesses, you know, and, and then you build a team around the weakness point, like, right. You, you figure out what your weaknesses are and you, you shield yourself against those weaknesses by building a team around you. Yep. I know that I'm great at this. I know for a fact that I'm great face-to-face. -face. I'm great in conversations. I hate preparation and trying to put together a preparation. I hate tedious tasks, whether that be building a website or doing paperwork or whatever, right? I, I'm good at the networking. I'm good at face-to-face. -face. Whether it's sales or not, I'm, I'm good face-to-face -face with people because I can have a conversation about pretty much anything. And I know that. But I also know what my weaknesses are. And so I build a fort to protect myself against those weaknesses. If something comes up where I need somebody to get paperwork done or get something tedious done, I know who I can go to because that allows me to go out and do what I'm best at. It's yeah. not that I can afford it or can't afford it. Well, if I know that doing that task is going to drag me down, it's going to change my mood, it's going to change my day, why would I want to do that? I think strategic yeah. collaboration is vital. Uh, and, and I think that oftentimes we find collaboration in areas that would normally be seen as competition, which uh, I think networking is what networking certainly proved that to me, people that are in your same industry, you know, yeah, they might be in your same industry, but they might not do this part that you do really well. And they might do the part that you do. Real, and you just start creating these strategic partnerships where, you know, nobody even has to put up front money. It's just kind of like, look, we work on the same person. Let's just collaborate on this. We'll work, we'll service the same. We'll do what we do great and then split the bounty, you know? And that's, you know. That's something that I talk about a lot and that is community over competition. And that is um, 
I'm not sure if you know, Josh, but I do branding and web design. And there are a ton of branding professionals, a ton of web designers, but we don't all service the same people. And so because I have a community of web designers and branding professionals that I know, when I come across someone who isn't my ideal client, I can say, here, Mary handles your type of work. Let me send you over to Mary. And then Mary, when she runs across someone, sends them to me. And that's why I tell people it's, I guess it's kind of the same as networking, right? You just build a it community of, of peers that are that do the same thing that you do. You don't have to compete against them. You don't have, like I said, it's, it's community, not competition. No, for real. Yeah, you're exactly right. Because people don't understand the scope of the economy. Like we're all, you know, to be a successful entrepreneur, a lot of people have this mindset of, well, I have to be the only one in town that does this, or I have to do this better than them. How many fast food restaurants are in your town? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Period. How many restaurants are there? Restaurants, most restaurants understand you're not going to eat at the same restaurant seven days a week. You're not. So it's the same thing in, in business. Like you don't have to be the only place they shop. Sometimes I go to Ace Hardware. Sometimes I go to Lowe's. Sometimes I go to Home Depot. Guess what? It doesn't matter. They all still make money. You don't have to beat everyone. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that people don't understand as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, is you can make money and this person can make money at the same time. And then guess what? You're both better off for it. Yeah. And competition, yes. Competition is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. Competition is great because it, it drives innovation. If there was no competition... Would Chick-fil-A have ever invented the way that they do the drive-thru? Probably not. Would Cookout have started a double drive-thru? Probably not. It drives innovation. However, it does not have to be the focus of your business. The focus of your business should be growing your base, growing your customer base, not winning everybody and not trying to win them all the time. No, you're, no again, it's self-awareness your business self-awareness, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, and then shielding yourself against them. Because here's what's not good. When someone comes to you as a web designer or as a branding person and says, here's my idea, this is what I want to do. And you go, yeah, I don't do that. And that's it. Because then they're like, well, geez, she's not cool. Like, well, what do you do then, right? They're, they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth and they're going to leave. And guess what? The next time that they talk to somebody that wants the same thing as them and they say, oh, well, who did you use? Your name will never come up. I promise you. However, if they come to you and you say, oh, I'm sorry, that's not my specialty. I want to make sure that you're taken care of the best way possible. Here is such and such. She is fantastic at that. Or if you have that person do it for them and then you are just the, you know, the liaison. Well, guess what? Now that person knows about you. They know that you took care of them. They know that you had their best interest at heart. So yes, now your name is going to come up. And I do that all the time. Whenever I see somebody talk about needing a financial advisor or whatever, and I say, listen, I'd love to hear what your needs are because I'm not like most financial advisors. I don't do any insurance. All I do is investments. And so, but I know it's a confusing industry. So I would love for you to tell me about what you're, why you're looking for a financial advisor. If I can help you, great. But I'd also just love to make sure that you're taken care of the right way. And I'd get, I would point you in the right direction because people specialize in different things. And there are some bad people out there that maybe don't get it. 
they're not out for the customer to be treated correctly. And, and then you leave a great taste in their mouth because right. of that. Absolutely. All right. I think this is the, the perfect segue into our uh, hot seat section. Uh, we're going to ask you the same three questions we ask all of our guests and uh, enjoy the sizzle. All right. <laughs> So, number one, how do you define what it means to be a warrior? Uh, so, a warrior to me is self-reliant and fearless almost. Um, it, and, I, and I use this a lot as saying the confidence to go into anything because you know you can get yourself out of it. A warrior is, um, I was just watching a movie, The Last Duel, and um, it's a it's a you know, period piece and uh, set in France. And there's two different, two different warriors and there's two different sides of this story and, or two different knights. Um, and there's two different sides of the story. Well, one of them is more mental. One of them is more tries to be strategic and tries to play the political game. And the other one just knows how to fight. And that's it. He's never going to back down from a fight. He's going to go fight. And so to me, that's the warrior is you go in and you know, Hey, I don't care what the odds are. I have confidence in myself that I'm going to get myself out. I'm not going to sit here and analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze. I'm going to go in, I'm going to make my mark and I'm going to come out because I never put myself in a situation that I've never, that I haven't gotten out of. And I'm, I'm confident in myself that I know I can get myself out of any situation that I put myself in. To me, that's what a warrior is that you're never afraid to go into a situation because you have the confidence that you can get yourself out of it. And how have you demonstrated that definition in your own life? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in just an organic journey. You know, I, um, I played baseball all my life. Didn't never touched a golf club really in, in a serious manner. Played for six months, fell in love with it, moved home and was like, I'm, Hey, I'm going to go make this golf team and go play on this golf team. And I did it. Then I was like, Hey, I don't want to stop playing golf every day. Moved to Myrtle beach. You know, Hey, I, I need to learn about finance for my kid did it and, and then bounced and had a goal of just, you know, bouncing my way to get the job I wanted, even though technically I don't have the college degree that they may be looking for this, that I may look looking for. It's just about making your own path. And that's exactly, you know, what I talk about all the time on the podcast is it's an organic journey of not setting like 10 year goals and 15 year goals of like, Hey, that's where I'm going to be in 15 years because I, I'm hundred percent a believer in, in one, in a year from now, I want that 15 year goal to be laughable. What I can, you know, my view is going to change daily and much, of course, annually without a doubt, because so much is going to change in my life. So many things are going to change. Like trying to set a five-year goal or a 10 year goal way that far down. Like I think a five-year goal now, what's possible now in six months, I may laugh at that and be like, Oh my gosh, that was so silly. So I'm a, a big believer in an organic journey of as it comes to you, you take on that challenge and you face it. All right. And what is one piece of advice that you can give somebody to help them live their lives into your definition of being a warrior? One piece of advice is just be present. Past, future, forget about it. I mean, of course, it's hard to do that. Um, but it's just be present, live your life for the day, face, face your task that day head on 
not, oh, I can do it tomorrow, or, oh, I should have done it yesterday. Or if you dwell in the future or dwell in the past, there's going to be a lot that you're going to miss out on because that's all headspace that you're taking up. That's energy you're taking up. Just being present is the best way. Living for today, living for now, and taking whatever comes at you head on when you get there um, and just doing it then. Um, a guy that I was – I had on my podcast uh, two weeks ago. He said, um, he talks about mental traffic. So your, your thoughts, they're going to be there, just like traffic's going to be there. But you don't have to look at every single car and be like, oh, man, that was a really pretty car. Oh, my gosh. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, you, you just let it pass. Like, you're going to have thoughts in your head about the past, about the future. You're going to have these thoughts. It's just like traffic. But you don't have to engage those thoughts. And I thought that was super insightful about being present. I don't think about it that way because I don't really have a problem with being present. I, I live that way pretty easily, but um, for some people, I know it's difficult. And I, I thought that was a really insightful thing to say is that traffic, you're going to have thoughts crossing your mind. It's okay. Like that's not a bad thing. Of course we all have however many thoughts they tell you a day. Like you can't actually be involved in every single thought. It's just, but treat it like traffic, let it pass. Just let it go. Awesome. Awesome. So one of the things I like to do at the end of all of our episodes is uh, give our guests a chance to uh, kind of speak their mind. Uh, you know, uh, obviously as a podcast host, you probably understand this more than most. Uh, you'll be done with it and, you, and you'll say, man, I wish I would have said this or said that. Uh, and then as a guest, you know, it's, it's that hindsight of, you know, like after a conversation, oh, I would have added this. So in preparation for this episode or just anything that's on your mind, uh, I like to try to give a little bit of space to, you know, say anything that you might not have been able to talk about today that you wanted to. Uh, and so I'll give you a couple of uh, minutes here, you know, if, if that's the case, if there's something that you didn't get to touch on that you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I just I want to say thank you for, again, having me on here. Um, I'm open to any conversations with any of your listeners about anything. You know, we can have the same conversation individually with any anyone, um, regardless of what it's about, whether it's about networking, whether it's about finances, whatever it may be about. Like, that's what this is all about. This is what uh, I do. I love this. I love having conversations. I'm an open book. Um, cell phones always on me. Uh, messenger, Facebook messenger, all those, you know, are always up, always running. So it's one of those things like, don't be afraid to, to have a conversation. And I know that that's difficult, you know, to, to be the person that reaches out first, but I hope that this can break the ice for a lot of people. Um, secondly, uh, I want to talk just a, a brief moment about the savage mind concept. Cause we did mention it earlier. Yeah. Um, and it's something that's in my, in my podcast, a part of my podcast. Again, it's the business connect podcast on YouTube. Uh, and the savage mind, the, the definition of a savage mind, and this is why me and Michael get along so well, because we're, we're very much aligned in, in our missions. The savage mind, the definition of a savage is not domesticated or under human control. The second definition is lacking the restraints normal to civilized human beings. And so for me, the savage mind means that you don't let others control your thoughts. You don't let the outside world dictate what you do or what you think. Same thing as being a warrior. You're not letting people influence you. You're being a warrior. You're the attacking mentality, not the sit back and let people do it to me mentality. Um, and, and again, you, you don't strive for normal for society. So what people think is normal in society is to go to work, sit there, make your paycheck, go home, be in debt, 
be miserable, and it's okay. You don't do anything about it. That's what society tells you to do is go to work, be miserable. Like, that's not okay. So don't strive to be normal. I had a guest on a podcast say normal is just a setting on a washing machine. Best thing I've ever heard in my life. Funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it's true. Normal is just setting on a washing machine. Even if somebody looks like me, they probably don't talk like me. Even if somebody talks like me, they probably don't look like me. There's plenty of things to do that make you different, make you unique. There is no such thing as normal. You can do something to set yourself apart. That we're in the great resignation right now. Everybody is looking for different work opportunities, whether it be just changing jobs to get a better benefit package, better hours, whatever it may be, going into the office, not going into the office. There are so many opportunities right now. You should not be normal. You should not be miserable. Find a way to jump out there and get things done. Like you were talking about earlier, Michael, the, it's an income problem a lot of the time, not a spending problem, not a saving problem. It's an income problem. You like where you live, but your, your rent or your mortgage is 90% of what you make. Cool. You like where you live. That's awesome. Now go make more money so you can afford it. <laughs> Yeah, easier said than done, but I completely agree. You know, it's, you yeah. know, it's, uh, I think if we start leaning into what we love versus what we have to do, and look, I get the whole, the job that you need to get the job that you want. I get all that. Uh, you know, I, I just, I feel like from a society standpoint, we need to do a better job of supporting people's conquest on getting there quicker. And so that's why I feel like people like you uh, and other people in our tribe that believe and understand that. You know, we're, we're just we're looking to make an impact that makes the world better, man. And I think that, you know, having people on like you to have these conversations is going to get us there, you know, one day at a time. Um, so, yeah. So let us know. How can uh, how can people find you online? Yeah. So the Business Connect podcast is the, the YouTube channel. You just search the Business Connect podcast, just like it sounds. Um, you'll be able to find the podcast there my Facebook page for it. Um, you know, not super active on there, but it, it does have, you know, links to everything. It's just Josh, the business connect LinkedIn. It's Josh Sullivan. Um, just my name, uh, all that good stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm open to help anyone at any time and there's no, you know, no holes, bars, no stupid questions, uh, because it is all about, you know, just getting there. And like you said, you understand, you know, the job you need versus the job you want. And one of the things for me is like, but how long have you been at the job that you need? Yeah. Like you got to move. You got to be constant motion. Yeah. Um, and that's think, the thing is people get stagnant. Yep, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the values, I guess, you know, or, or like I said, of, you know, building your support, it's, uh, you know, it's strategizing. So, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, we obviously covered a lot. You know, I think that that's a, that's a good nugget to kind of end with, too, is, you know, uh, you, goals are great. Strategy is how we turn them into action. So yeah, I'll leave you. I'll leave it with the the reference that I use on the podcast over and over and over again. You have to have a goal set before you can figure out the path. If you don't have a goal, the path will not deliver it for you. Think about a GPS. If you don't put in a destination, the GPS can't tell you how to get there. Yep. It's not going to give you turn by turn directions if you don't set a destination. So. That's, you know, that's something I use all the time. You have to have a destination in sight. And, and just like a GPS, you may make wrong turns. You may miss the turn. You may, you know, get lost a little bit. But that's still, that end goal is going to recalculate the path and make a new path. Yeah, yeah. 
Excellent. All right. Well, we will see you all next week and uh, bring you another awesome guest. And uh, we look forward to talking with you more, Josh. And we will... I just I'm under the belief that every single guest is going to be a multi guest because I mean these conversations just go so fluidly that you know we could talk for hours and still probably not cover all the things that we could talk up in natural conversation like you said we have many conversations that go on for hours at a time when we talk and so uh, this is just the beginning of a many uh, of compilations so uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, sign off for this week and we will see you all in the future. Bye, guys. Hey, Warriors, it's Michael. And I want to thank you for listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your favorite streaming platforms and leave us a five-star review. For more information, check out warrioropact.com.